Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line. And now, here are your hosts, award-winning influencer and pioneering author of seven books, Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. They wanted to talk to a marketing professor, and they said, you know, well, like... And I couldn't find one, so I thought you'd they, they went through a long list, <laughs> and then they got to me. <laughs> and it, like the, the question was essentially like, but don't people not like paying more? Not necessarily all weights are bad. The balance comes between the value of the experience that you're providing. And his point was that you can improve the experience so that the waiting itself is pleasurable. I think sometimes people do this themselves, like those people who wait in line to get the newest iPhone or to, to be the first in line at a theater. They make that experience enjoyable for themselves, right? They're, they bring friends, it's the games, they find a way. There are ways that firms, though, can make the experience of waiting more enjoyable. Ryan, can I tell you something that really bugs me recently? So I've been down to the grocery store, all right? And they've now got all these new methods that you can use to check out, yeah? And interestingly for me is that they start to introduce these self-service checkouts. And now I've started to have to bloody wait to use these self-service checkouts. Yeah, that and was I'm, supposed to be the the initial pitch of it, right? Is that it would well, be a lot faster to check yourself out. Exactly. Work. Exactly. And and you're now going, hold on. I was meant to do this so I could get out of here faster. Now I've got to go in a line to queue up to use the bloody things. So how's that that saved me? Is the end of this story why you've reverted to just shoplifting now? <laughs> well, it's funny you should say that. Okay. Oh, isn't it? <laughs> It because the other thing that that they've uh, some of the stores in the UK have started to do is they've now started to check your receipts. Oh yeah, when yeah. you leave, so there's another line that you have to wait. So through. there's another line I now have to to go through. Yeah, and the other day we you know when you pay with your your watch or your phone or whatever, I no, normally don't bother with the receipt. I just walk out of the the, the thing. And, and obviously, you know, they said, well, where's your receipt? And I said, well, I didn't bother printing it. He said, did I want to print it? And I said, no, I would like you to do it. Well, anyway, so, <laughs> would, <laughs> so it made me then think of, we had Joe on the show a little while ago. And you remember that Joe was, Joe Pine, this is, we were talking about time well spent, time well saved, and those categories. And we'll put again a link into the, to the show notes of, but it's made me think about this whole subject of waiting. And when you start to think about it, when you are asking a customer to wait, that is, you are doing that for your benefit, not for the customer. So the whole concept around, as Joe talked about, a waiting room, you could virtually call it an inside-out room. You know, in other words, you're forcing you to wait here because of this benefits us as the organization rather than you as the customer. And we did some work a number of years ago now 
with a hospital system. And they used to, and one of my friends is a doctor in the States, they used to book people to come in virtually either all at once or double or triple book people because what they were interested in was the doctor not having any gaps where he he or she wasn't seeing a, a patient, okay? Which, from a doctor's perspective... Oh, it's very efficient. You can understand. It's all about efficiency. It's not about the customer. And therefore, as I've started to, to think about it, it made me start to think of, well, where are there, where are there occasions where you're being forced to wait? Okay, and I've given you a couple there. But are there scenarios where waiting actually enhances the experience okay first let's let me do my my usually bit and and take a step back and and look at this from a theory perspective waiting is just another type of cost to the customer you could charge a person more money right that's a, a form of cost but you're essentially when you make them wait you're charging them in their time Right. So, yeah, I think that's a useful perspective for companies to consider when they're designing their their customer experience. Like it makes it more efficient for the doctor to just have patients stacked up back to back waiting for the doctor's availability. But that's imposing a cost on the customer, on the patient. They might prefer to pay more upfront. To be able to avoid that, right? We're, we're essentially saying your your time is worth less than our time. And so therefore, we're just going to impose that cost on you in that way. As I've been thinking about this, there's a, a few things that sort of play into this, okay? So one is that not necessarily all weights are bad. The balance comes between the value of the experience that you're providing, Okay, so let me just waffle for a moment. So we recently went down to see the King's coronation. Mm -hmm. I got up at four o'clock in the morning. I went with my daughter and my granddaughter down to London. We got there about 5.15 in the morning. The King's coach didn't go through for six or seven hours. Wow. Yeah. And when it did, it was like, oh, he's gone. (laughs) It wasn't that fast, actually. It was driven by horses, and they weren't running or anything. But you get the idea. I mean, it just, it was. But the phrase that I found interesting that people use as, as I've started to think about this is, it was worth the wait. Yeah. Which sort of starts to imply that the value of being at the coronation was worth it. So that's saying the experience that I had, even though I had to wait all that time and I'm just sitting there in a bloody queue, not even a queue, but, you know, a hundred people deep or whatever it was, it was worth the wait. So that's the way I would think about it. Because you said that, that not all waits are bad, and I'm sure that's true. I think waiting is generally bad, but sometimes it's worth that personal cost, right? Just like... yes. Paying money for something is is almost always bad, right? Sometimes it's worth paying, and it's sometimes it's worth paying more. But like we're willing to accept that trade off of more cost 
because of the benefit that we get from it. So that experience that you and your daughter and your granddaughter had together was worth the trade-off, was worth the payment that you paid in terms of your time spent waiting. Yes. So a couple of things from that, which I think is, again, really important, is one is, and we talked about this on the podcast that we recorded about these three areas that Joe was talking about, which is time well spent, time well saved, and time well invested. One of, again, the hang-ups that I've started to get over the last three or four months has been no one knows how long a customer spends doing things. There is not a measurement of time that a customer spends doing something. So do you remember I had that problem with UPS in getting a package delivered to the States? They don't know the amount of physical time that I spent trying to deal with a chatbot, phoning up, getting updates, waiting in line. You couldn't turn around and say, I spent three hours, 23 minutes in that. So they, they can measure components of that, but nobody's stringing that together. To... Yeah, but you see, the other interesting thing for me is they can measure it from their perspective. Right, right. They can't measure it from my perspective. And clearly, I would argue that my perspective is is clearly more important. You've got that one aspect of nobody sort of measuring that time, which I think is is actually a real gap. The other part for me is that there are instances where you go, it was worth the wait, so the coronation, okay? But it's then when you're making that value judgment, what was it about that that created value, okay? So one was, it's probably, I'm probably not going to see another, well, maybe, I don't know. I may see another coronation in my life. They don't come around that often. They don't. And, and the other one was my six-year-old granddaughter was there and thinking in 40 years' time when they show it on TV, she will say, yeah, I was there with my granddad and my, you know, my, my mum, etc. Adds to that value. The other part of it is that, I mean, you said earlier that we don't charge for waiting. Disney have things like fast track, don't they? So to reduce the amount of time, they can turn around and go, on average, somebody standing in the queue at this point, because they also have those signs up there, don't they, which is 90 minutes from this point, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, in fast track, it it was this. There are clearly people that are starting to do things based on time. And that for Disney, I don't know if you've been recently, but Disney and other places is a bloody must be a bloody big money earner because the amount that they charge you for it now. They're making that so your doctor's office imposes that cost on you in in the form of time, right? You don't you don't have an option. You have to go and you wait. And then when they and there are stories of people waiting in the US, waiting an extremely long period of time to go to see the doctor. Disney, though, actually allows people to trade off between those costs if they want to. So Disney will allow you to pay extra money to save waiting time, and people are then willing to do that. One of the key aspects that you you mentioned, which I think is really, really important when people are, are considering customer wait time, is this idea of this value judgment of this trade-off. Is it worth it? I I did an interview with the Washington Post a few years ago where there were a couple of services that were increasing prices. Amazon Prime was, was price was going up. And I think the price of McDonald's 
hamburgers was going up and there were a couple others. Netflix, I think, all at the same time. And so they they wanted to talk to a marketing professor and they said, you know, well, like... And I couldn't find one, so I thought you'd they, do. They went through a long list <laughs> and then they got to me. <laughs> and it, like the, the question was essentially like, but don't people not like paying more? <laughs> These are the kinds of questions that a marketing professor gets from reporters. Like, I thought that paying more was bad. Do you have an opinion? <laughs> and it was like, I, I had to make exactly this argument. Like, yeah, nobody likes paying more for something, but it's all a trade-off. And if you value it more, then you'll be willing to pay more for it. You may not be thrilled with it, but like people have gotten addicted to Amazon Prime. And the idea that I could like stop paying this annual fee and then now all of a sudden go from two-day package delivery to like five-day package delivery, like some kind of caveman, like that that's something that I value enough that I'm willing to pay more for it. And I think the same thing has to be considered with time. Like none of us like to spend time on things that we don't choose to, right? None of us likes waiting in line, but what's the payoff at the end of it? And if the payoff is a once in a lifetime experience or, or something that that's very rare or something that's very valuable, when you go to a, like a concert, that takes up your whole day, right? I mean, there's there's so much time you have to go there. You have to wait in line to get your seats. You have to like wait in your seat before the concert. But if it's a good concert, it was worth all that extra time. And that's where I go back to this phrase, it's worth the wait. Yeah, yeah. it's the, it's this trade-off. It's what are you getting in exchange it's for the that balance cost. between the, the two. And that's where I don't think that organizations think of those things and think of customer time yes. well enough. The value of, of getting to wait for your doctor so that you can have this wonderful experience of being poked and prodded for a few minutes, like that's that's rarely worth the wait. No. And to a certain extent, it's whether you're waiting for a commodity. So is the experience that I am waiting for a commodity? Yeah. Or is it something that, again, I go back to it, which I value, okay? So here's another interesting interesting one that sort of made me think about this. So you'll know that my wife has had chronic back pain, okay? So much so that prior to a surgery that happened about three months ago, I was having to push around in a wheelchair, okay? And on, you know, one of these mini scooter things, we bought one of these mobility scooter things. So when we went to Disney, you know, Disneyland Paris, I applied for a disabled pass, which allowed you to get into the exit of the attraction and you didn't have to queue, okay? Which clearly makes sense, okay? The interesting bit was I actually quite missed some of the weight. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Because... Would I have wanted to, so let me get this down to it, which which I think is the nuance, which I find interesting. Would I have wanted to wait the hour to get onto a two-minute ride? No. Would I have chosen to, uh, to wait for 10 minutes to get on the ride? Yeah, because it's quite fun, actually going through some of those things. And the key word that I got to, which I I think is an important word when you start thinking of this whole discussion around weighting and value, et cetera, et cetera, is anticipation. And to give you another story that sort of lines up with that, 
I always remember when I was 15, you know, when you're sort of 15 years old. I don't know if you do, actually. But you remember those days where one uh, of your I think school I'm friends. closer to 15 than you are, Colin, but go ahead. <laughs> no, it's um, this next bit that's, that's important uh, in this story. One of your mates is having a party. You sit there at lunchtime and all you talk about is the impending party that's going to happen. Is someone taking some illicit alcohol with them? And which person fancies which person? And what happened at the last party? And the one thing I always remember about those experiences is whenever you went to the party, they were never as good, <laughs> never as good as you thought they would be. And therefore, it throws that in that sort of value bit and the waiting bit is the bits I'm trying to draw together is there's a whole bit about there. And, and what made me think about it when you were talking about it is the pop concert and the role that anticipation plays in waiting. I agree. I think that's the most fascinating part of all of this. So we've got, you know, your overall experience should be this simple equation of benefits minus costs, right? Whatever benefits you're going to get out of it, minus the costs that were imposed on you, that's the net kind of experience that you get. What is really interesting is when you can turn some of those costs into additional benefits. That kind of breaks down that equation. And so, yeah, I think that waiting is usually a bad thing. I think there are cases, though, where waiting provides anticipation, which is fun, which is beneficial. And so that then becomes, you know, and this happens with other types of costs too, like paying more money is usually a bad thing, but there are certain things where, you know, the higher the price, the more valuable it is, because that means it's rare or collectible or exclusive or something. That cost of, of the payment can actually provide some additional benefits. And I think you're right. I think that for certain types of waiting, it can actually be flipped and turned into it. And Disney's, I think, the best in the world at this, where they, you know, they do tell you how long the overall line is, but they, like, for the Peter Pan ride, they'd send you through a series of rooms, each of which was 10 minutes of waiting, and the walls were filled with, like, paraphernalia that looked like it came from the Peter Pan movie, and you could, like, look for little Easter eggs that they had hidden in various places, and the whole time it was built, you were getting closer, but now you could start to hear the ride. And yeah, I agree. Like, I think that they've done a great job of turning that cost into a partial benefit. Why not let Colin and Ryan speak at your next conference? As you can hear, they're great communicators and can get over a message in a simple, inspiring, and humorous way. Contact Beyond Philosophy by going to beyondphilosophy.com slash contact. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash contact so i think the important aspect here is because you, you just use the word cost it's not money it's time yes and therefore understanding the value of time and customers time is important and i would even argue that time changes value and this is something i've that's sort of the first time i've put it in that phrase but that's probably a good phrase time changes value so let me give you an example of that i think you've heard me talk about over here in england i'm in england at the moment there's a bank over here called first direct okay they're renowned for their customer experience okay 
And one of the things that they do is, I mean, they don't have, first of all, they haven't got any branch networks or whatever. They sort of originated in the telephone banking field. And one of the things that interesting things that they do is that they don't employ people from the financial services industry because they, you know, they, they only want people from the caring industries. But one of the things that they do is that if they're talking to you midweek on, on the phone, because it used to be telephone banking, they evaluate how time depleted or whatever the phrase is that you are. So in other words, if it's midweek and I've got loads of things on and I'm taking the kids here and I'm doing this and I'm doing that, then it's not really a good time to talk to me about whether my mortgage is the right type of mortgage. But if it's the weekend and I happen to be on the phone to them and that they can sense that I'm a bit more relaxed and I've got a bit more time on my hands, then they are likely to do so. So, you know, is it time appropriate? And therefore, for me, it goes back to that, is there time has different values? So it's it may be five minutes, but midweek I'm going to be, five minutes is, is really precious. But at the weekend, five minutes is not as precious as it would be at, um, during the week. Absolutely. So that makes you, you then say, and I guess, you make, again, it makes you wonder from my evaluation of going through that Disney line, I'm not going to want to wait for an hour, but I'd be happy to wait for 10 minutes. Because one of the things that I did value was going, if I go through FastPass, then I can do so many more rides than just standing there in a queue for an hour and a half and we've got a, you know, a six-year-old who is really not going to be able to understand standing in a bloody queue for, for that length of time either. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I think the other part of that for me is whether you're whether and how you're building anticipation and whether that waiting you can build anticipation into it because again as you were talking it was making me think of and particularly apple product launches okay so people wait for a new apple product to be launched i mean it's a bit like the apple vision isn't it the apple vision pro that we were we were talking about in another episode this was and they're basically saying that they're not going to be launched until next year i'm sure that there are people that can't wait to get their hands on them okay for three and a half grand i'm not one of them but i'm sure there are people that do it but i'm also sure that there are people that are going to be literally waiting outside the apple stores waiting for to be the first people to buy them but what they have been good at is building up that anticipation so if a customer Either they're deciding that we are going to build waiting into that because that builds anticipation, that builds value, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Or it's not like just saying, hey, these are available on Amazon now because you've not done any of that and you've not built up what you were talking about in in the last podcast that we recorded, you know, that bit of image or price image around it because builds that anticipation in, doesn't it? Yeah, so if you want to make waiting more beneficial, are there ways that you can ramp up anticipation? Sometimes you can't, right? Like if, you, if you're waiting in line on a phone queue to talk to your insurance representative about a claim, there's not a lot of anticipation that you can no. build into that process. So this is not a universal thing. 
Well, they do very well at that because they say your call is important to us. You're going to have to wait another 45 minutes. I mean, they're trying to build an anticipation. They're trying to build a murderous rage. <laughs> but there, there are some things where it can. I remember my kids all play a certain video game and they were talking for days about there's going to be an update to this video. Game. It's Minecraft. I don't know if you're familiar, but it's. They were talking about, oh, and it's coming out on whatever, June 8th. It's so exciting. It's so, it's so exciting. And I said, so what's, what's in this update that's, that's so exciting? They added cherry trees. There were other kinds of trees already before they added cherry trees. And then they added, like, a one kind of animal. Like, it was not a big thing. Like, it was did, not going to change game. Your kids not get out much, mate. No. Well, <laughs> no, they don't. <laughs> But they built anticipation. This is a game yes. that the kids care a lot about, that they're heavily yes. invested in. They play together. Like it's a, it's a, yes. it means yeah, a lot yeah. to them. And yeah. so, I mean, it's kind of their Apple is what I'm saying. Like when Apple comes out with a new version of their watch or of their phone, like there's a group of people who anticipate that, just like you were saying. And so knowing when that they, so anticipation is one, but also anticipation is just one strategy of turning that time cost into a benefit. Can you make the experience itself of waiting more pleasant? You and I interviewed Rory Sutherland a couple of years ago, um, who's a great interview. In one of his TED Talks, he talked about all of the billions of dollars of expense that was going into improving the speed of a certain rail line. I don't know if you remember this example. And it, to make it faster, right? So we're going to be able to improve the speed so people get from point A to point B a half an hour faster, and we're going to spend billions and billions of dollars. He said, I can do it in half that. You keep everything the same, except you you hire supermodels to walk up and down the coach pouring champagne for all the passengers. <laughs> and then they will complain about how quickly the train arrived in its destination. He was obviously joking, but only sort of. Like, yes. That is a waiting experience. We're sitting in the train. We're waiting for it to get to where we want to go. And, and his point was that you can improve the experience so that the waiting itself is pleasurable. I think sometimes people do this themselves, like those people who wait in line to get the newest iPhone or to, to be the first in line to theater. They make that experience enjoyable for themselves, right? They're, they bring friends, it's they bring games, they find a way. There are ways that firms, though, can make the experience of waiting more enjoyable. Yeah, and if I think about it, if I go back to that coronation, it was a multitude of things. Yes. And one of them was just being with everybody else that's yes. there and everything else. It's the whole atmosphere thing, etc. So I tell you what we're gonna do. We will need to talk through there was a paper that we've discussed, isn't there, called The Psychology of Waiting. We'll do an episode on the psychology of waiting, which is given that you I mean I'm not naive to think that you'll never need to have customers waiting again if you do have to wait then how should you go about it and what's the psychology behind it so let's maybe do that as the next episode yeah so that that episode we can get a little bit more practical so here i think we talked about ways of thinking about waiting and about time costs but yeah i think we can we can give people a more practical set of guidelines for how to make wait, waiting more pleasant yeah no that sounds good that sounds good I hope that's been of use to you today. In summary, I would say think about whether the product or service that you've got, the value that customers would place on it, 
And if you're asking customers then to wait and you're providing a commoditized service, that's the wrong thing. You know, if there's something that you can do in your service to make them anticipate things more and build up that sense of anticipation, that can increase the value of, of what you do. But one of the other key things I really want people to think about, I would recommend people think about, is this whole concept of are you measuring customers' time, the time that the customer physically spends dealing with you, yeah? Uh, because I think that's going to be very important going forward. Love it. So I hope that's been of use to everybody. And we look forward to talking to you next week. And we'll do a show on um, the psychology of waiting. Okay. Cheers. You'll have to wait for that. Uh, see what I did, Paul? <laughs> Anticipate <Very> that. <laughs> it's coming. Very good. See you, everyone. Thanks very much for listening to the show today. We really hope you've enjoyed it. And if you have, it would be really great if you could leave us a review. This has been The Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton. But it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast to find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcasts. We look forward to talking with you next time on The Intuitive Customer. Intuitive Customer.